Father God, thank you again uh, for a chance to be with your people. I pray that you'd have your way uh, during the teaching time tonight. Holy Spirit, that you'd, you'd speak what you want spoken and nothing else, God. That you prepare hearts beforehand to receive truth. Uh, and God, that you'd, you'd plant seed there, God, that would give a harvest of faith, a harvest of righteousness in each of us. Uh, God, do with me what you please. Uh, and God, do with each of us, God, what you want in our hearts and in our lives. God, make us the men and women that you want us to be, God, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So we started the semester with a brief series in the book of Jeremiah. Uh, just looking at the first couple chapters of Jeremiah, if you missed that series, man, it's not going to be important for tonight, but if you want to go back and listen to it, all of Kyle's messages are available online uh, on the website, either through uh, iTunes or SoundCloud, and you can go back and check that out. Uh, I'd intended to return to the book of Jeremiah in the spring, right, to uh, next semester touch on a couple of the ideas, uh, other ideas in the book, other things I wanted to talk about. Um, but because of some recent events on campus, because of some conversations I've had with some of y'all uh, and some encounters that you've had on campus, um, you know, I wanted to go ahead and take one of those messages and go ahead and bring it and, and teach on it this week, teach on it now. And as I prayed about it this week, I felt like, yeah, that's what God wanted me to do. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and t- take one of those messages and we're going to do it tonight. Um, again, in Jeremiah chapter 23 is where we're going to be tonight. Uh, this week we're going to be addressing how to handle cults, how to handle confusing spiritual stuff, how to deal with false teachings uh, when we encounter them, right? There's been some folks going around on campus the last few weeks. Uh, Some of you guys have run into them. If you've not run into people that have like weird spiritual ideas uh, and weird false teaching and and strange theological stuff, if you've not had it happen to you yet, it's going to happen to you at some point. So this will be helpful to you (laughs) to know, man, what happens when I run across something like that? When I run across someone who's, who's saying something that it sounds kind of spiritually and, and biblically, but then also the, the red flags are going off, right? There's, there's something not right about it. There's something weird about it. Um, and what, what do we do with that? How do, how do we encounter, or, or what do we do when we encounter false teaching? How do we handle that? How do we respond to that? Um, and, and that's going to be our focus tonight. When Jackie and I were students at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, uh, this is several years ago, there was a cult on campus called the Knoxville Church. And so what the Knoxville Church would do, they would find, uh, not unbelievers, they'd find Christians, but young Christians, uh, maybe Christians who were ignorant about the Bible, weren't really knowledgeable, they would find these and then they would pray on them. They'd find them uh, and they'd pull them aside to talk to them uh, and they would explain to them how they weren't really Christians, even though they thought they were, they weren't really Christians until they started coming to their Bible study. Their Knoxville Church Bible study, right? They weren't really Christians until they got baptized into the Knoxville Church. It doesn't matter if you already got baptized, you know, whatever. It doesn't count until you're part of the Knoxville Church. And, 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 and there's a lot of stuff that you'd say, well, that's ridiculous. I can't believe anyone would believe that. And then they found people and they deceived them, right? And they had them come to Bible study and they sounded really convincing. And we saw student after student uh, just fall, hook, line, and sinker uh, for that deception and get involved in that cult. And it broke our hearts, um, a, uh, a friend of mine, uh, big brother in the faith, spiritual mentor, he was my life group leader, you know, when I was a student in Kyle for years ago. Uh, his name's Curtis, right? And, and we'd have debates with these guys, right? We, when we see these guys on campus, we'd talk to them, we'd engage them. Uh, and Curtis especially, man, he, he would bring it, right? Like a, like a, a rabid dog, you know, you know going after him. Because, because it's that heart of like, man, I see you taking advantage of people. Uh, and I'm not putting up with that, right? Like Jackie talked about a couple weeks ago with David, right? Protecting his sheep. 
right? A, a lion or a bear comes in. He's like, man, I'm not having that. We're going to bash your skull in, right? We're going to do this right now. Uh, he didn't bash the cultist's skulls in, but, man, he, he debated them, made them feel like, you know, they, they wish that had happened to him, right? Uh, they got to the point where they didn't want to talk to him anymore, right? Or they, they avoided us when they saw us coming. Um, but, but, but for years this went on. We saw lots of students deceived. Uh, and, and the cult kind of got popularity on campus. And, um, and it was frustrating. I mean, we prayed about it. We, we, when Calf would meet together, we'd make it a focus of many of our prayer meetings. God, would you deal with this cult on campus? Uh, would you take care of the situation? And eventually God did. There was some division and infighting in the leadership of the cult. Uh, they split and eventually disintegrated and left campus. And now if you go to UT, man, there's no, there's no evidence of the Knoxville cult at all, or the Knoxville church at all. Um, and God's taking care of that cult. They've disintegrated. They don't exist anymore. Praise the Lord. But... Um, man, it broke my heart during that time to see so many students taken advantage of, so many students deceived. Uh, and, and what I really want to do, man, as a, as a, uh, a pastor, is I want to equip students so they know how to handle that kind of stuff. Uh, so they know how to handle those situations. They can recognize false teaching when they hear it. Uh, they can recognize deception when, when they see it. And they can know how to respond to that, know how to be on guard against those kind of things. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. That's what I want to help you guys with tonight. Um, if you're taking notes, man, that's awesome. Uh, and, and, uh, and I think this stuff will be really, really helpful to you. So weird teachings and heresies. Heresy is just a word for an unbiblical teaching, right? A false teaching. Weird teachings and heresies are nothing new, right? They didn't just start up like in the last 10, 15 years. Man, Jesus had to deal with false teachers, right? Uh, the early church had to deal with false teachers. Jesus even said this in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew seven fifteen. Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. You guys heard that phrase before, a wolf in sheep's clothing? Did you guys know Jesus made that up? Right? He says, watch out, watch out for false teachers. They come to you like a sheep, right? But it's like, it's like a sheep hoodie on a wolf, right? And they come to you like a sheep, but man, really they're a wolf. They're looking to tear you apart. They're looking to devour you, but they come to you. And man, that kind of sounds good. You start to buy into it. And before you know, man, uh, they, they've got you. Jesus says, watch out for that. Jesus had false teachers in his time. The early church had to deal with all kinds of cults and false teachings and heresy rise up. And, and man, to read, to read Acts, to read those, uh, and those, those letters from, from Paul and Peter, it seems almost like whack-a-mole. They're having to strike down all these heresies. Like, no, you can't believe this nonsense over here. No, this, this nonsense over here is not true because uh, they're just springing up everywhere, right? So this is not a new thing. There's been heresy, there's been bad teaching, uh, on and on and on for all of history. Even going back to Jeremiah's time, which is where we're going tonight. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 23, uh, even in Old Testament times, you had false prophets, prophets that were uh, lying to people. False prophets that were claiming to speak from God, but they were just making up what they said. Uh, God used prophets throughout the Old Testament uh, to speak to the people, to give words to the people saying, this is how you should live, this is what God wants from you. Often the message was, turn away from your sin, turn away from your idolatry, and turn back to God. And that's a common message of the prophets. Uh, and, and a lot of times it was, it was in this form, turn away from your sin, turn away from your idolatry, or there's going to be great consequences. Man, sin has self-destructive consequences. Uh, bad things are going to happen. Turn away from your sins and turn back to God. He loves you. He wants to bless you. Uh, and so this is what the prophets of God were saying. The false prophets were saying... God doesn't mind if you worship a few idols. God doesn't mind your sin and, and the weird sexual stuff you got into. Uh, God doesn't mind that. 
and in fact, there's not going to be any calamity. There's not going to be uh, any problems or consequences. They would say, peace, peace. Everything's just going to be just fine. Right? This is what Jeremiah is having to deal with. He, he's telling the truth. He's speaking from God, and all the false prophets are saying, oh, don't listen to this guy. Don't listen to Jeremiah. Everything's going to be fine. This is what God spoke through Jeremiah uh, in Jeremiah chapter 23. We're going to pick up in verse 16 uh, and look at a couple of these verses here in chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23, starting in verse 16. 16. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to these prophets when they prophesy to you, filling you with futile hopes. They're making up everything they say. They do not speak from the Lord. You can't get any more clear than that. Have any of these prophets been in the Lord's presence to hear what He's really saying? Has even one of them cared enough to listen? Verse 22. If they had stood before me and listened to me, they would have spoken my words, and they would have turned my people from their evil ways and deeds. Verse 25, I've heard these prophets say, listen to the dream I had from God last night. And then they proceed to tell lies in my name. Verse 30, Therefore says the Lord, I am against these prophets who steal messages from each other and claim they are from me. I'm against these smooth-tongued prophets who say, this prophecy is from the Lord. Verse 32, I'm against these false prophets. Their imaginary dreams are fragrant, flagrant lies that lead my people into sin. I did not send them or appoint them, and they have no message at all for my people. Boom. Uh, God's not about false prophets, right? Um, again and again and again, again, He promises, man, these false prophets are lying to you, and I'm going to deal with them in time, but don't fall for their deception. He says, don't fall for these guys that say, uh, God spoke to me in a vision. God spoke to me in a dream. And then they try to deceive you and lie to you. Um, in verse 25 there where he, he's, he's saying uh, this thing, man, listen to a dream that God gave me last night. This is something we call uh, special knowledge. Special knowledge. This is a special thing that God revealed to me. It's not in the Bible, right? You're not going to find it in the Bible. You're not going to find it in Scripture. You're not going to find it in the law or, 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 or anything like that. This is a brand new thing that God told to me. If someone ever tells you that, Right? Uh, your, your warning bells should start to go off, right? The, the, the hazard lights should start to spin around. If someone says, hey, I've got a brand new thing. God spoke to me. He told me in a dream, right? He told me in a vision. Say, no, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm good. I mean, and, and, you know, not that God man, can't speak to people or reveal things to people, but if it's something that doesn't go along with what's already been revealed in Scripture, right? If it's something contrary to Scripture or some wild new thing, I'm going to be super cautious about that, right? Because God says that's how people have been lying and deceiving people forever and ever, for centuries. He says, these people, I didn't appoint them, I didn't send them, they have no message for the people at all. And this is how, this is how heresy starts, this is how false religions uh, and cults start uh, by these people that, man, they so want to speak from God or they want to control people. Or I don't know what their motivation is other than uh, man, a sinful motivation from the devil. But they, uh, they say, hey, hey, here's something God told me. And then they get a following and they pull people away from their truth. Um, and like Jeremiah said, they lead people into sin uh, and they lead people away from God. Um, God is, is against false teaching of any kind and he doesn't want his people to be ignorant about it. He wants us to be aware that it exists so we can be on guard against it. So this Tuesday is a very important holiday. Do you guys know what it is? Halloween. It's not, it is Halloween, but we already talked about Halloween. It's another important holiday. You guys know? 
This Tuesday, October 31st, is another important holiday, and it's not Halloween. It's your birthday. It's not my birthday either. Okay, it's the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. You guys familiar with that? So the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. So 500 years ago, this Tuesday, so that would be October 31st, 1517, uh, this man named Martin Luther, you guys may have heard of him, Martin, not Martin Luther King, also important, but he was named after this Martin Luther. Martin Luther, uh, he sees false teaching rising up in the church. He sees corruption going on in the church. Man, he's, you know, the, the printing press was invented 77 years before this, so the Bible's starting to circulate. He's reading the scriptures, and he's saying, some of this stuff in the church doesn't line up. Some of these teachings don't line up. Some of, some of this stuff's not right. Some, I'm seeing some corruption, some people, you know, doing things that aren't right. So he sits down and he writes out 95 theses, right? He writes out like a mega research paper, right? <laughs> Pointing out these false teachings he's seen and saying, and let's get back to the truth of scripture, right? Let, let, let's get back to focusing on Jesus. Let's get back to focusing on, 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 on the, the truth of scripture. Uh, let's deal with this corruption. Let's deal with this false teaching. And he, he takes this paper uh, and he hammers it to the door, nails it to the door, of a church in Wittenberg, Germany, right? And this event, right? How many of y'all would go and hammer your research paper to a door uh, of a church, right? But he is bold, right? And so he goes and he, he hammers it. Uh, and that moment, man, was the start of what we now call the Protestant Reformation. You know, he got in big trouble for that, right? Uh, he, he got in big trouble for that. But through, uh, man, through, through that event, and then he'd later expound on those original ideas through debates and through essays, uh, other theologians would kind of raise up and say, you know what, Luther's onto the right stuff, and, and, and they kind of flesh out some of these ideas. Um, other theologians would join in as well. Uh, but the central focus of this movement, the Reformation movement, um, was to return the church back to its original scriptural roots and help it to focus on the essential things, focus on the most important things to our faith. Uh, and, and so the, the, the movement that got started there 500 years ago this Tuesday, what we call the Protestant Reformation, uh, man, it, it, it grew into this massive movement where now, now the, man, there are Protestant churches everywhere, right? Uh, man, Chi Alpha would be a great, 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 how many greats, grand ministry, you know, that, that, that started there, right? Um, uh, uh, part of the Reformation, part of saying, hey, let's keep our, our focus on the essential truths of Scripture. Let's fight against false teaching and corruption. And so uh, the, uh, the main ideas of the Reformation can be expressed in five simple Latin phrases. Anybody say Latin in high school or college or any time? Like exactly one of you? Okay. Um, these five Latin phrases uh, that summarize the Reformed theologians' convictions about the essentials of Christianity. Uh, five solas. Sola means only. Um, I'm going to run through them real quick uh, and, and we're going to talk about just a couple of them. Uh, the first one is sola scriptura, which just means scripture alone. It says the Bible alone is our authority. Not the weird dream you had last night, right? Not the crazy vision, you know, that, uh, or, or, or whatever, you know. Scripture's our ultimate authority, right? Scripture's our ultimate source of truth. And it's not, it's not saying Scripture is the only truth in the world. Um, but as far as theological truth, spiritual truth, I'm not going to listen to any truth that contradicts what the Bible has to say, right? The, the, the Scripture's the, the ultimate authority uh, in matters of faith. Uh, and, and, and practice and how we should live and how God wants us to live and reveals everything we need to know about God, right? 
Uh, so that's the first one, sola scriptura. The next one is sola fide, which just means faith alone. We're saved. It means we're made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ and that alone. Not faith like and some other stuff, right? Or, or, or faith uh, and, you know, whatever, but, but faith alone. Faith in Jesus alone. Not faith in my own ability. Not faith in this thing over here in Jesus, but faith in Jesus alone. The next one is sola gratia or grace alone, which just means we're saved by the grace of God alone. The, the, the faith and grace work together. We're saved uh, by grace through faith, right? It's God's grace that saves us, not our own ability to do right, right? If it was my own ability to do right that, that would save me, then I'd, I'd be in big trouble, right? Because I don't do right. Um, we're, not, we're not saved by our own ability to earn uh, God's favor because God is gracious to us and he extends us his grace. So our faith uh, in Jesus, our faith in the grace of God is what saves us. So we're saved by grace alone, not grace and our good works, right? It's not grace and then also like we work really hard and then God will say, okay, you can get into heaven. No, it's totally by grace. It's totally by grace. Um, the fourth one, sola Christus, which is Christ alone. Jesus Christ alone is our Lord, Savior, and King. Not Jesus and Elroy, or Jesus and some other guy. It's only Jesus, right? Not Jesus and whatever church figure you really, really like. Uh, it's just Jesus, right? It's just Jesus. And so uh, part, part of that Christ alone is focusing in on the person of Jesus, understanding who Jesus is as, as the, the, the Son of God, fully man, fully God, uh, and the importance of, of, of our Christian faith being totally focused on Him, Jesus alone. And the last one, uh, soli dio gloria, the glory of God alone, which just means we live for the glory of God alone. The ultimate purpose of our life is to glorify God, to glorify God. Whatever we make our life about, it should glorify and honor God. Why do I bring all this up, right? Other than it's cool that it's the 500th anniversary next week. Why do I bring all this up? For us to talk about how to deal with false teachings, uh, and cults and weird spiritual stuff that we encounter. It's important that we are rock solid on these essentials. It's important that we are certain about what we believe about these essential things. And so I'm going to use, like I said, just a couple of them, just a few of them, uh, to give us a lens to look through to help us understand, man, how, 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 do we, how do we put false teaching through this filter so we can recognize it, so we can be aware of it, and so we can combat it. So the first one, sola scriptura. Scripture alone. Scripture alone. I'm going to say this as bluntly as possible. To be able to combat false teaching, to be able to combat weird spiritual ideas, you have got to know the Bible. You've got to know the Bible. There's no substitute for it. No, no quality of talk that I can give is going to replace you knowing the Bible, right? Uh, and there, there, there's nothing I can do to, to equip you like your own personal time in the Bible is going to equip you. Uh, to know the Bible, to understand the Bible, you've got to read it. It's got to be a daily part of your life, a daily part of your schedule where you're blocking out time to spend in Scripture, to just spend reading the Bible. Uh, if, 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 if you say, I've got a Bible, but I don't understand it, right? Well, maybe find a version that you understand. Maybe something that's been written in the last 20 years or so, right? Uh, ESV, NIV, NLT, something you can read and understand. Uh, you know, maybe a study Bible with some life application notes to, to, to help you with. Uh, maybe get a friend, an older brother or sister in the faith to kind of help you with the parts that you're having trouble with. But you've got to read the Bible. And you've got to know the Bible. And you've got to understand the Bible uh, so that when you hear false teachings, you'll know, hey, I know the Bible and that's not in it, right? I've read the Bible and that's not in it. Some of y'all have been Christians a long time. A long time. They still don't know the Bible very well. 
or have never actually man, read through the whole Bible. Some of you guys have been Christian so long, if you would have read like a couple sentences a day, you would have read the whole thing by now, right? Some of you have been Christians long enough that if you would have read a page a day, you would have read the whole thing by now. Um, and again, this is not the guilt trip, right? This is an encouragement. Man, get in the Scriptures. Get in the Scripture. Get in the Bible. Read it. Uh, read it so you can understand it for yourself. So when people come at you with some nonsense, and they will, I promise. If it's not happened yet, people are going to come at you with some nonsense. But you'll say, hey, I know the Bible and that is not in it. Right? That's not in it. You've twisted it. You've got it wrong. Um, so, so important that you know the Bible. There's no substitute for it. You've got to know Scripture. You've got to know what Scripture teaches. And you've got to understand it. So that's the first step. No Scripture. No Scripture. That's number one. You've got to know Scripture. Uh, if you don't have a, a daily time reading the Bible built into your schedule, go ahead and do that today. Go ahead and do that today. When you get home, man, go, go ahead and start getting Scripture. Uh, man, develop a daily Bible reading plan. There's like a bazillion you can find. that just is like a daily plan so you know what to read each day. Uh, if you need a plan, you want to come see me, come see Jackie, come see Christina. We'll give you a plan to follow. We'll say, hey, read this book first. And then when you're done, read this book next uh, to, to, to help you to build your knowledge of Scripture. It's important that you know Scripture. Uh, it's important that you know the Bible. So that anyone or anything that tries to twist it, you'll recognize it. Anyone or anything that tries to add to Scripture or distort the truth of Scripture is a false teacher. Right? That's the idea of sola scriptura, of only Scripture, uh, is that we're not going to listen to anything that contradicts the Scripture. We're not going to go against anything. You know, we're not going to accept anything that goes against the Scripture. We're not going to add weird stuff to the Scripture. In fact, the Bible is very clear. Nothing should be added or subtracted from this text. It stands alone. But still, people still try to add to it. And that's how we get weird offshoots religions. That's how we get cults. That's how we get that kind of thing. Um, let me give you an example. Uh, some of you guys are familiar, uh, probably everyone in this room has at least heard of uh, the Church of the Latter-day Saints. You may know them as Mormons. Um, if you guys don't know the history uh, of the Mormon church, go back to when the pioneers, are, are, the European pioneers are settling North America. And you have this guy named Joseph Smith, and he's out, uh, he's out on the frontier, right? And he says, God gave him a vision, right? Where angels brought him golden plates. And these golden plates had writings on them, special revelation, special knowledge. No one else was around to see it. You've got to take his word for it, right? But on these golden plates, with this, you know, hanging out with these angels, he gets this special revelation uh, that there was an ancient civilization uh, in the Americas before they got there that, that, that followed Jesus. Even though there's like absolutely no archaeological evidence that, that, that this ancient civilization ever existed, he says there's an ancient civilization here that used to follow Jesus. Uh, and God wants me to get us back man, to that, to that, to that what, what they were doing. Get, get us back to that, that original, uh, what Jesus intended for us, and, and, and lots of other rules and ideas that would later become the Book of Mormon. Right? This guy adds an entire book uh, to the Bible, the, 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 the Book of Mormon. Um, and if you were to ask him, Joseph Smith, this is amazing. Can I see these golden plates? Because I think I'd believe if I could just, no, you can't, can't see them. Uh, I can't show them to you. You just got to take my word for it. Right? And I know just to tell it like that, it sounds stupid, right? It sounds not like nonsense. Who would ever believe that? But he was incredibly charismatic, and a lot of people did believe it. And a lot of people started following him. And so years and years later, man, the, the Mormon church is still going strong. Uh, even though if you research the origins of it, it's like, this is foolishness. And why do people ever believe this? Right? And, 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 and a lot of cults, a lot of false religions, man, they, they start that kind of way. Uh, people trying to add to Scripture... And then you've got people not knowing Scripture very well that, that, that buy into it, that get deceived. 
I don't want that for any of y'all, right? I don't want that for any of y'all. Um, and, and, and when I'm talking about other religions and, and cults and things like that, don't, don't hear me wrong. Uh, man, I don't, I don't hate those people. I love those people. I love Mormons, right? I, I, I love Muslims. Uh, man, I, man, I love people of other faith backgrounds. I love people, human beings, period, full stop, right? But it breaks my heart to, to see them deceived, right? It breaks my heart to see them man, buying into this stuff that if you really research it and dig down, be like, I can't believe anyone would believe that, right? But so many people do. Um, so that's an example. So we've got to know Scripture to know if someone's adding to Scripture or subtracting of it. And even if you don't know your Bible, say, well, man, it's going to take me a long time to know the whole Bible. That's okay. Um, man, start now. Like, don't make an excuse. Start now. Um, but even if you don't know the Bible, even if you feel like you've got a far, far way to go for reading and understanding it, one thing you must understand is this. If you have one takeaway tonight, especially about reading the Bible, let this be the takeaway. You guys hear me on this. Part, the most important part of reading the Bible, man, is understanding the context of what you're reading. If you're going to read the Bible, understand the context. Understand the context of the verse you're reading. Understand the context of the passage of your reading. We don't ever just take one verse, isolate it, and, and, and study just that and try to pull truths out of that without thinking about what did that verse mean in the context of the rest of the paragraph it's in. What did that paragraph mean in the context of the rest of the passage it's in and the chapter it's in and the book of the Bible it's in? We've got to think about context because that's how people get it twisted. They take one verse... Uh, and they say, this is what this means, when if you could look where the verse appears, it obviously doesn't mean that, right? But that's how, that's how people get it twisted. Um, and you could do this with any book, right? I could take like one sentence out of Stephen King's It and make it seem like a fun, family-friendly adventure, right? I could take, I could take one sentence out of Harry Potter that would kind of make it seem like Harry's the villain of the story, right? Uh, you can't just take one sentence out of anything without knowing the context. And the Bible's the same. And people throughout, and throughout the ages have taken isolated scripture and said, this is what this really means, right? And if you would just read it in context, if you would just read, well, what's the passage that's in again? Now, what's the book of the Bible that's in again? Why was that book of the Bible being written? And once you start to see the context, you say, no, that doesn't mean that at all. You've got it all wrong. You've twisted it. Um, look, look at this verse in 2 Peter. Uh, P- Peter's writing this. 2 Peter chapter 2. Verse 1 and 2. 2 Peter 2, verse 1 and 2. He said, But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there are false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. Verse 17. These people are waterless springs. And mist blown away by the wind. They're doomed to the blackest darkness. It says these people slander the truth. They twist the truth. They, they, they take godly ideas and they take them out of context. They take verses, man, and they twist them. Uh, and because people don't understand the context, they get deceived. It says these people that do this, these false teachers, uh, are waterless springs. Right? And there, there's, that, there's that spring, there's that fountain analogy again. Right? God is the fountain of living water. Uh, and these people are waterless, dried-up springs, right? God says, I didn't send these people. They got no message for my people. Um, and these are, these are the people that are twisting Scripture. So false teachers will twist and manipulate Scripture by taking it out of context. So we've got to understand the context of any verse we're studying. If you're doing a Bible study, any Bible study of any passage of Scripture, 
this, this is an important step by step. The first thing, when I'm reading a passage in the Bible, I need to think about is not what is God speaking to me. And some of you guys are like, what? The Bible is God's love letter to me. That's what my youth pastor told me, right? It is, kind of. But that's not the first thing you think. The first thing you think isn't what is God speaking to me through this passage. That's bad Bible study. The first thing you think is what did this mean to the original audience? That's context. The very first thing, that's how you keep from getting it twisted. That's how you keep from getting some Old Testament principle and trying to apply it to 2017 when it doesn't really fit. The first thing you do is think about what did this mean to the original audience? What was God trying to speak to the Israelites here? What was God trying to speak to the early church here? What did this mean to the original audience? And then when you understand that, then you can understand what the verse means. And then you can think about what of this applies to me today. Got it? That's context. Every passage of Scripture, you should, you should approach that way. When someone's bringing you a Scripture and saying, Hey, here's a Scripture. I'm going to tell you what it means. Hold up. Before you tell me what it means, I want to look at it in context, okay? Oh, this verse that you're quoting, what did it mean to the original people it was written to? What was the purpose of the book uh, that this verse is found in? Why, why was it being written to this particular church or this particular people group? Now I can kind of understand the context of the verse, right? Um, and, and, and that's how you keep from getting stuff twisted and... and, and, and and, and turned around, and, uh, and, and that's how you can kind of be on guard against people using Scripture that way. We have got to understand the context for any verse that we're studying. Okay, so the cult that has been around campus these past few weeks is the perfect example of this. Um, some of you guys have referred to it as the, the mother god cult, because that's how they've kind of, I mean, that's, that was your takeaway from your conversation with them. Uh, the actual name of this cult is the World Mission Society Church of God. It's a long name. World Mission Society Church of God. You guys can read about it online. The World Mission Society Church of God is a Korean cult founded by An Sang Hong in 1964. So in the 1960s, this guy An Sang Hong uh, claimed that he was the second coming of Christ, right? And when he dies in 1985, his spiritual wife, this lady named Zong Gilja, she takes over and she calls herself the Heavenly Mother. At this point, the cult's already got a following, right? They, they, they believed An Song Hong was the, was the second coming. Now, he died, so I don't know if there's going to be like a third coming. I don't know. Um, but but then, then his wife was this, the spiritual mother. And so, uh, and she begins to cite verses from Revelation and Galatians and elsewhere in Scripture, citing these verses out of context as proof that she's now this divine heavenly mother. And, and a lot of people are deceived. And a lot, of, a lot of good Korean people buy into it. And it spreads out of Korea. Obviously, there's people here in Memphis uh, that, that, that are still trying to, trying to expand this cult, still trying to get followers, still trying to get believers. Um, but, but this is what they do. They take verses out of context. Um, and I looked at, again, I, can, I linked an article earlier this week in our group meet. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to look at it, I mean, it takes each of these verses that they use and it says, hey, that verse, here's what it actually means in context. And some of it's real obvious. Some of it, you read it, and, and if you just read on your surface, you're like, yeah, see, that is kind of weird. Mother, you know, our, our mother God. Our, and, but then you go just a couple verses before and you see, oh, this, isn't, this verse isn't even talking about God at all. It's talking about the city of Jerusalem. God is our father and the city of Jerusalem is like our mother. Uh, this isn't talking about what you're saying. It's talking about it all, right? Elsewhere in scripture, you'll see um, figurative language. You guys had to learn figurative language in grade school, right? Similes and metaphor. Figurative language where God says that he is like 
uh, a chicken, a mother hen that's gathering its chicks under its wing, right? Just to show his love, his compassion, his heart for you, uh, like a mother hen, gathering you like chicks under its wing to protect you. Like a mother hen. God is not a mother hen, right? He's not like a giant mother chicken guy. It's a, it's a figurative language. But then but these people take, they take, they take these verses and they, they take them isolated, out of context, and they share it really enthusiastically and charismatically. And people are like, maybe, maybe there is a, a mother God, right? Or maybe I've, I've, who hid this from me? My pastor hid this from me. There's mothers. There's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and then Mother God is being left out. It wasn't being left out, right? These guys are twisting uh, verses, twisting them out of context, right? And so, again, I'm not going to go into all of it. You can look at that article later. You can, can look at the individual verses. And maybe that will help you as you're, as you're having these kind of conversations to know, hey, let's actually look at that verse in the Bible where it appears. Let's read the whole passage, and then we can revisit what you're saying it means, right? Um, but, but, but just to clarify for you guys, um, Mother God is not, a, is not a way that God has revealed himself to us. And it's not like a, a sexist thing or a patriarchy thing. That's not a, it at all. The way we understand God, God is an infinite spiritual being, right? So much bigger than our concepts of biological gender, right? Uh, man, he, he's bigger than that. Uh, when the Bible says God created us in his image, right? It's the, the spiritual, eternal parts of us that are in God's image. Um, not, not, the, not the physical, the plumbing makeup, right, of us. Uh, but, but it's the, the eternal soul. It's the mind, the will, the emotions, the ability to reason, the intelligence. These things are what separate us from animals. And it's in that way that we're made in the image of God. Not that God is, is, is literally a male or literally the female in the way we think about gender and sexuality and these kind of things. Does that make sense? God is an infinite spiritual being. Uh, and and, and so, so we're not going to put him in like a gender... Box. The only reason, and we refer, refer to God with male pronouns and male words, is because that's how he chose to reveal himself to us. Right? Throughout the Bible, I mean, you've got 600 different references where, where God refers to himself as Father. He says, I'm, I'm your Father. I'm your Heavenly Father, your spiritual Father. Uh, when Jesus, man, steps into human history, right, he, he takes the form uh, of, a, of a male guy, right? Um, and and, and the, the pronouns that God uses to refer to himself throughout Scripture, again, are male pronouns. So the only reason we use male pronouns and male terminology with God is because that's how he has chosen to reveal himself to us. Uh, so I'm not going to like try to be rebellious or try to be edgy and start using female pronouns for God just to kind of be whatever. Like, I'm going to call God what he wants to be called, right? You, you know, you can, I guess, decide for yourself. But I'm going to call God what he wants to be called. And God, God's revealed his nature through Scripture uh, as, as a spiritual being, a trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons existing as one. Uh, that's how God's revealed himself. To us. If someone comes to you with something that's really different than that, like this, the mother God thing, then, then like Holy Spirit and use like the referee, flag on the play. No, that's not right. And, you know, that, that, that sits with me weird. Let's look at it in, in, in context, okay? Um, so we'll, that, that, we'll leave it there, about understanding context. You've got to know scripture and you've got to understand context. That's scriptural alone. The next one, solus Christus, Christ alone. We've got to know scripture and we've all got to also understand who Jesus is and the truth about Jesus from scripture. We need to understand that he is the only way to be made right with God. He's not just a wise teacher, but he's also fully God and Savior. His sacrifice on the cross is what saves us from our sins. He literally died and was literally buried. He literally rose from the dead and then appeared to hundreds of eyewitnesses. 
hundreds of eyewitnesses whose first-hand accounts of their experience of his ministry and resurrection became the Gospels that we have in our Bibles today, right? This is what sets Jesus apart uh, from the founder of, of any other major world religion is the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of eyewitnesses, right? Joseph Smith's over here saying, yeah, take my word for it, right? Jesus over here, 500 plus eyewitnesses saw him alive after being dead, saw him raised from the dead, were witness to those miracles, right? Uh, and that's a huge difference. That's a huge difference. Um, so understanding the purpose of Jesus, that Jesus uh, is God, uh, fully God, fully man. Um, and, and Christians and around the world, they agree about these essential qualities of Jesus, uh, the, these essentials on the role of Jesus. And so when we look at, and this might be a question you had, like, okay, I get that, but like, why are there so many different churches, right? Because there's like a bazillion and a half denominations, um, and, and some we call cults and some we don't. Like, where's the line or how do we decide? Um, and so, so even though there, I agree, there's a billion, there's actually three billion and a half. Oh, that's, that's an exaggeration. Uh, there are a lot, there are a lot, thousands and thousands of denominations. This is, this is just where, where over the years, um, again, these are Christians that agree on the essentials about Jesus, right? They agree on the important stuff about Jesus, but in interpreting less important stuff, minor stuff, they've come to different conclusions on certain passages and certain uh, theological beliefs and say, hey, man, better if we part ways on this one, right? Better if we go different ways on this one so we continue to teach and continue to do what God's called us to do. Uh, but, but Christians around the world, the over 2 billion Christians, uh, man, that cover the planet Earth, uh, they agree on the, the central things about Jesus, like I just said. They agree that Jesus is the Son of God. He's not just some wise teacher, right? They agree that Jesus, man, literally died, was crucified for our sins, uh, that it was his death that, that, that makes it where we can have forgiveness of sins, makes us right with God. They believe that he rose from the dead, not just spiritually, not just like a ghost, but literally rose from the dead, uh, ascended into heaven with a promise to someday come back for us. Uh, man, these are things that all Christians everywhere, man, they agree on these essentials. Uh, and then it's on minor issues, kind of secondary issues that say, I, th- I think that I kind of interpret the scripture more that way. Well, I interpret it more that way. Hey, that's okay, right? We can agree. We have so much more to agree on than we, have, than, than we disagree about. Does that make sense? When, when, a, when a thing becomes not just a different denomination, a different flavor of Christianity, but a full-on cult, is when they get the essentials wrong, right? When they say, Jesus, and this was a, this was a popular thing uh, during the time of the early church, uh, Jesus didn't really have a physical body. He just appeared to have a physical body. Right? He was actually just a totally divine spiritual being that just seemed to have a physical body. Well, that's a problem because if he didn't have a physical body, if he wasn't actually a human being, he couldn't have been the sacrifice for me and you. He couldn't have been my standing on the cross right, to take the punishment for my sins so I can be forgiven. Right? Another, another heresy that was popular around that time was Jesus didn't literally raise from the dead. He only spiritually raised from the dead. Well, that's no good for me. Right? If I've got a Jesus that's claiming, that's claiming that he can give me eternal life, right? But he didn't literally raise from the dead, right? That's the whole deal, man. That's the whole reason that Christianity spread like wildfire. Um, man, man, right after the resurrection, all these people saw Jesus alive after being dead. Not a handful of people that thought they saw a ghost because of whatever. Uh, but these are 500 plus people that saw Jesus' physical body raised uh, from the dead. And he spent time with these people for 40 days, right? And then, and then the eyewitnesses, people see, see him ascend into heaven, uh, and these people go nuts. And they start telling their neighbors, they tell their friends, and then Christianity, man, it explodes uh, in, the, in, in the region. Um, so Christians are going to agree uh, about, about those central things, right? Uh, and and, and it's, it, it's, it's cults, it's heresies, it's false teachers 
who, who try to twist those essentials and get those essentials wrong. Anyone or anything that tries to change who Jesus was or tries to add or subtract from those essentials is a false teacher and bringing heresy. Look at this verse in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 is going to be uh, starting in verse 1. John writes this. He says, Dear friends, he likes y'all. He called you friends. <laughs> Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. You guys know there's other spirits that don't come from God? Those are not the ones you want to listen to. Um, it says, For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Okay? The, John, this is, this is uh, yeah, John the Apostle, John the Disciple, uh, John that was super close, like best friend of Jesus. He says... Hey, here's something y'all need to know. You're going to have lots of false teachers pop up, and they're going to tell you crazy things about Jesus. Don't believe them. Like, if they don't say that Jesus uh, was God, but with a, a physical human body, uh, man, don't listen to them, right? If they don't say that Jesus physically came in the flesh, don't listen to them, because that's key. And, and honestly, if they twist any of the truth of who Jesus is, don't listen to them. You know, the that, that, that Holy Spirit didn't send that guy. Uh, it's another spirit, right? And you don't want to listen to it. Um, Right? So, so, so when we're listening to, to teaching and it sounds weird, is it, is it twisting some essential truth about Jesus? Um, man, something we know to be true about Jesus, so they're getting not quite right. So, again, those warning whistles are going off inside us. Um, an example of this. An example of this is, uh, so, so Jesus raises from the dead. Christianity spreads like crazy throughout northern Africa, throughout southern Europe, throughout Asia. Christianity explodes. Several hundred years later, you have a guy named Muhammad comes on the scene. And here's what Muhammad says. He was at home one day. God comes, knocks on his door, and says, hey, I've got a special revelation for you. You know, there was Judaism, there was Christianity, and I'm about to give you the, the third part of the trilogy, the, the final revelation. I'm giving it to you, Muhammad. Right? And, and he says that, that God, Allah, gave him this huge revelation, what would later become uh, the book of Quran. Um, that again, over a billion Muslims around the world follow and believe to be truth. And God gave him this revelation. And, uh, man, it breaks my heart. Just think about it. Just think about it. Like, like people just, just believe that hook, line, and sinker. Um, you know, what, Muhammad, what proof do you have that God came and told you all that? Well, you've got to take my word for it. Like, just, like our friend Joseph Smith. you just got to take my word for it. God came to my door. He told me all these things. Right, you've got to take my word for it. Muhammad was incredibly charismatic. He gained a big following. Um, and the, the following grew, uh, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew, and now, and now we've got Muslims all over the world still following those teachings. And what he did is he twisted the truth about who Jesus was. Christians, man, familiar with John's letter, that should have been like, whoa, whoa, no, you're getting the essentials about Jesus wrong, so this can't be true. Here's what Islam teaches about Jesus. That Jesus is not the Son of God. He's just a man. He's a prophet, but not as important a prophet as Muhammad. But he's just a prophet. He's just a man. He's not God-made flesh. And they got, get that essential part about Jesus wrong. And Muslims also don't believe that Jesus went to the cross. Muhammad said Christians got that wrong. Jesus didn't go to the cross. 
This is literally what they believe. He made one of his disciples look like him. He went ahead and ascended to heaven. And that, that disciple went to the cross and all the Christians thought it was Jesus, but Jesus was not God. Jesus did not go to the cross. And I'm thinking in my heart, how, how twisted of the enemy, how deceptive of the enemy to rob Christianity of the two most important things, the deity of Jesus and the cross, right? There's no salvation if Jesus was not actually God, right? Because if Jesus was not actually God, he could not have lived that perfect life. He couldn't be that sacrifice for you and me. If there wasn't a cross, there's really no hope for salvation, right? Because there's been no payment for my sins. So that means I've still got the problem of sin separating me from God, right? But how twisted the enemy to try to rob Christianity of the two most important tenets. And he said, you just got to take my word for it though, right? There's no 500 plus eyewitnesses, right? There, there's, there's no this or that. You just got to take my word for it. And hundreds and hundreds of people did that became thousands, that became millions, that today is over a billion people. Sola Christus. Christ alone, we've got to be sure about the essentials of Jesus. And then finally, sola gratia, grace alone. We are saved by the grace of God alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. It's only by grace that we're saved. Only by grace that we're saved. We can't earn salvation. We can't be a good person enough uh, that God will approve of us and say, Chris is a really good dude. I'm going to want him on my team, right? Hope's a really good dude. I'm going to want him in heaven. Uh, that's not how any of us are made right with God. Every single one of us sins. Every single one of us uh, man, man, does things that are against God's word. Times that we're selfish. Times that we're prideful. Times we hurt ourselves, hurt other people. What the Bible calls sin. And that sin separates us from God. The only way we're made right with God is because God's compassionate and loving and gracious towards us. And he made, us, made a way for us to be made right with him. That's not dependent on our ability at all. But totally dependent on what Jesus did. Who did live a perfect life. But then died on the cross for us. So that we don't receive punishment for our sins. God could lay that on Jesus instead and extend us grace and mercy and forgiveness instead. Adopting us into his family by his grace. Not because we're so good looking, but by his grace. And and it's it's faith in Jesus and what he did. It's faith in that grace uh, that that is is what saves us. Um, That's the process for being made right with God. That's the process for forgiveness of sins and securing an eternal life in heaven when this life is over. And that's the only process, right? There's not another way. There's not, that's plan A, but there's also plan B or plan C, or if you want to get to God this way, or if you want to get to God over here. No, that's the only way. Jesus said very clearly that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. No one gets to God except through me, right? There's not a plan B. There's not a backup. Um, It's only by trusting in Jesus by faith. It's only by God's grace alone. So again, this, this is our final point. Anyone or anything that tries to change that process of how a person is made right with God is a false teacher. Anyone that adds requirements needed to be saved is a false teacher. Anyone that takes grace and tries to add stuff to it. Well, it's grace, but then you also got to do this, this, and this. I mean, come on, you got to do those things. Uh, No, no, it's just by God's grace. It's just by God's grace. And the good works we do are just overflowing from the love and gratitude we have to God for saving us. Just, God, thank you so much for saving me. I want to live a way that pleases you now, right? But that's not what saves, saves us, right? Uh, so anyone that's like, yeah, 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 by grace, but then also you've got to be baptized into my church, right? Uh, you know, no, that's not it. It's by grace alone, by grace alone. This will be our final verse we'll look at. It's Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 6. Paul writes, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you 
to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel of heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, I'll say to you now again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Paul said, man, people are going to come around and they're going to tell you there's another way to God. He said, don't listen to them. Even if an angel comes to you and he's got the shiniest golden plates... Don't listen to them, right? If it's a gospel other than the gospel you already received, don't listen to them. Those people are under a curse. God's going to deal with those people. We read that, right? God says those people are headed for destruction. Don't listen to those people. Don't buy into it. And cults will often do this. They'll add requirements to salvation. You need to be baptized in my church. You need to do these things. You need to believe these things over here that are not scriptural. Um, We've got to recognize that when it happens, okay? Uh, so through this, these lens, man, being, being sure about these essentials of Christianity, man, that's the best way uh, for us to be on guard against false teaching, against cult, against weird spiritual stuff that people say that, that, that man, because we've got the Holy Spirit inside us, uh, Holy Spirit like a referee can say, flag on the play, that's not right. We need under further review, you know, that, that last statement because that's not right. Um, the same Holy Spirit, man, that, that applies God's grace to your life, that, man, when you put your trust in Jesus, that Holy Spirit that comes and lives in you and through you, Holy Spirit's going to guide you in all truth. That's the promise. Holy Spirit said He's going to guide you in all truth. Uh, it's a promise Jesus made. Uh, so, so, man, if, you, if you're following Jesus, the Holy Spirit's in you, uh, and, and someone's trying to share some weird stuff with you, uh, there's, there's going to be a little uneasiness. Like, that's not quite right. That's not quite right. Uh, I, I want to dig on that a little deeper. Let's pause and let's look at that a little deeper because that doesn't seem quite right. Let me, call, let me call Pastor Matt, because that don't seem quite right to me, okay? And guys, I'm always just a text away, a phone call away. Jackie, Christina, too. Um, reach out to us. We're here for you. So in understanding all this, man, how should we handle an encounter with someone who's trying to teach us something false and unbiblical, right? Somebody comes at you. Someone's trying to teach you something false and unbiblical. How do you respond? You know your scripture, right? You understand that context is important. Uh, you, you understand that, man, it, it, we've got to be sure about the truth of Jesus uh, and that it's only by God's grace and faith in, in, in Jesus that I'm saved. Uh, we're, we're sure about all those things. And someone comes with, with some funky stuff at us. And, and it sounds like, like a little bit true, but also a little bit weird. Like, man, how do you, how do you respond to that? How do you respond to Paul's teaching? Um, I would love to tell every single one of you guys to, like, man, get up big, strong, and bold and just shut that down. Right? But I know, I know some of you guys are like, Man, I'm worried I don't really know Scripture enough to really stand up to that. It is totally fine to say, I'm uncomfortable with this conversation, so this is me getting out of it. That's okay. It's okay to say, I don't, I don't want to keep having this conversation. I'm done. Um, maybe, maybe you say, hey, I want to read some of this on my own, and we're going to talk again. You're not obligated to talk again to them, but, but to say, hey, you know, you know I'm, I'm talking about like if you feel like threatened or something like that. Uh, but, but if you, you say, hey, you know, l- let's talk about this again. I feel like, man, I could kind of illuminate some stuff where you're deceived here, uh, but I'm not prepared for this conversation in this moment. Say, hey, I'm going to pause this conversation right now. Uh, man, man, let's meet again in a week or so when, you, when I've had a chance to review this stuff. Um, but it is totally okay to say I'm uncomfortable and I don't want to be in this conversation anymore. Does that make sense? Um, if you feel like, hey, I know exactly what they're saying is wrong and I can get bold and be like, what you're saying is wrong, and here's the truth of Scripture, and here's why it's wrong, and here's how you've taken this and twisted it. And if you feel like you can do that, do that. Holy Spirit's going to help you. You're not in it by yourself, right? 
Holy Spirit's going to give you words to say. This is a promise of the Bible that no man can contradict. Right? He's going to give you stuff to say. He's going to give you truth, especially if you know your Bible, especially if you understand context issues. Right? Uh, he's going to help you. Um, but, 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 but I want you guys to feel like prepared uh, and, and not caught off guard when you face that stuff because you will face that stuff. Like I said, if you're not facing it already, you will face it at some point. Uh, don't be scared about it. Don't be freaked out about it. But then stand firm in your faith uh, and say, hey, uh, I, I mean, if you're uncomfortable, don't want to be in that conversation, then get yourself out of that conversation, right? Uh, and if you say, hey, man, I know this is, is, is wrong and I want to shut it down right here, man, shut it down right there. And give me a call later so we can schedule a high five. Right? Um, but, but again, I, I'm always a phone call away. Same for Jackie, same for Christina. Man, text me your questions. Please text me your questions. Uh, we're going to have a, man, a, a special tile for that's just a Q&A time uh, at the beginning part of next semester where you can just kind of bring your questions. You can text them to me, email me, you know, the, the weeks leading up to it, and we'll just sit around and answer questions. We did that last year, and it was a lot of fun. We're going to do that again. Um, but if you have questions, please bring them to me. Uh, and, and please shoot them to somebody that you, that you trust, that you feel is knowledgeable and can help you with those things. Um, last thing I want to do is pray over you guys. Um, some of you guys maybe had some of those conversations. You're a little shaken up, a little weirded out, uh, a little nervous about seeing those folks again. And I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would just get rid of all that fear, right? That God's perfect love would just drive out that fear, that you wouldn't be worried about that. And you say, hey, I feel kind of prepared. Like, I feel like I know what to say, you know, if that, if that were to happen again. Um, or I want to study up on these things so I can be better prepared. Uh, I want God to use me to, to, to bring truth where places where people are deceived and places where people have it twisted. Amen? Um, let me pray over you guys tonight. Father God, thank you for the truth of your word. God, thank you that, that the word, God, you gave to Jeremiah um, all those years ago, God, is still true, that you stand against false teachers and false prophets, people that claim to speak from you, but they don't. They're speaking lies, they're speaking from their own imagination, stuff they've made up to manipulate people, to deceive people. God, would you help us to be aware when people are doing that? Help us to be aware when, when people are trying to bring uh, man, false theology, false teaching to us, heretical stuff to us, unbiblical stuff to us. Help us to recognize that, God. Holy Spirit, would you put that check in our heart when, when that stuff's happening, God? Uh, and help us to know how best to respond, God. God, I pray that you give each of these students a love for your word, a desire for your word, and that each and every one of them would block out time to spend in your word, uh, studying the Bible, being familiar with Scripture, that they take to heart these things we talked about uh, like contextualization and, and, and really learn to apply that to their own lives. God, I pray that you would use each of them, God, to speak truth to somebody this week. It doesn't have to be somebody in a, in, in, in a cult or someone that's a false teacher, just someone that's, man, that's lost, that doesn't know the truth. Someone that's, that's not following you, Jesus, doesn't know you. God, would you give us opportunities even this week uh, to share about the good news of the hope we found in you, God, to share our testimony about what you've done in our life, to share the hope we found in Jesus, to share you with someone that needs to know you, someone that's far from you, God. God, would you use uh, each of these guys and girls, God, would you use the ministry of Kyle on campus, God, to be truth, to be light, um, and to expose uh, lies and deception and expose darkness, God. Use us for your glory. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And, and